This podcast is intended for listeners that are 18 years or older. Explicit language, sensitive content, and views that are objectionable to some listeners may be present in the podcast. As such, listener discretion is strongly advised. Please read our podcast terms and conditions before listening to Up the Rabbit Hole. Up the rabbit hole with a sex therapist. It's Dr. Corey Rushka and my lovely co-host, Brandy. We are back. Woo! What's our topic for today? Oh, such an important topic today. It's initiation and foreplay, setting the stage. This is going to do this right. Information, yes. So I think I'm going to talk a little bit earlier or later when we uh, about my model, because I think we may have mentioned it a little bit, but it makes nice and sense here. But of course, before we do that, I got to do my jokes. Yes, you do. What do you call foreplay with a hairy woman? Oh, God, I don't know. Beating around the bush. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to give everyone just really, really quickly here. Uh, I took my mom to Amsterdam and I took her to the sex museum and you know I have never in my life seen 70s bush like they had on <laughs> like on the wall it was unbelievable okay anyway so there's my overshare for this for this time being I got another one I watched a video on how to improve my foreplay oh really it wasn't too bad once I skipped past the boring part of the beginning so. ah yeah <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. Oh goodness sake. Okay, well, this, but in an, in a um more serious moment, this is a really important topic for everyone to know about. I I believe, um, is you know, foreplay is important stuff. So I'm so gonna let, let you start it off with some. Well, information. let's educate. Let's educate. What what is the difference between initiation and foreplay? You tell me. I tell you. You know these answers. <clears throat> so initiation is just the the starting of the process in some way. Um, it could be as simple as a wink of the eye, a come hither look. Uh, uh, hey, do you want to go upstairs? Could be your initiation. That is very different than the foreplay, which is the and it could be a part of that hint, but the foreplay is usually the actionables that lead that. And so with that foreplay, normally when I'm going to do this, I'm going to teach people about, so I, I created a, a model called model of action perceived power. And it talks about how different relationship styles interact with each other. And both from a power perspective or perceived power perspective, technically, and an action dynamic, i.e. who is doing uh, the receiving versus the doing. And that's different than someone who might be the leader. So, you know, the, the dominant versus more submissive dynamic. So someone could be more dominant leading it, but actually having the other person be the top doing the work, um, kind of like a bossy bottom versus you know, your classic dominant top, who is the person who's leading and the doing at the same time. And so 
I'm trying to teach couples that, you know, this is important to communicate your preferred patterns. Uh, because when people come in saying as well, oh, you once I, if I'm going to be the initiator, I now have to lead it and do all the work and stuff like that. Almost like that, you know, if I'm going to invite you out to the supper, I have to kind of pay for it all <laughs> and then bring you back. Um, not the case. So when you have that communication, your couple's really um, the communication with the couple to clearly identify, you know, what roles they like to be involved in. Because some people are quite okay initiating. They're just not good at leading and don't want to lead. So then we want to share out or scope that out so that they can know when someone is in the mood um, and how to kind of run that script that they might create. And so when we're doing this, it's kind of, it's really hard when you have couples who, let's say, both are subs or more bottomy, you can't have two dominant individuals because then no one's leading and you can't have two tops at the same time. It's really hard because someone has to receive unless you got a third party in there and then they can receive and then it all lines up nicely. So it's just, it's kind of a funny process that we have a complementary system. You need a dominant top to go with a submissive bottom or a dominant um uh, or a submissive top to go with a dominant bottom in that time. And you can switch that back around. And we might spend a whole podcast, maybe even talking a little bit about this. And this is just a quick summary of that. And so when they line up well, then you have a good, it's kind of like dancing. Someone's leading, you know, someone who's following, you know, the dynamics, you follow the rules, everyone kind of, and you learn to enjoy your position. And you can switch that one at any time, sexually or relationally power wise, but it's just knowing knowing what's going on. Well, and it's realizing where you are on the quadrants as well. So I've, I've actually used that visual a lot with, with clients and they're like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. And then I throw a wrench into the system, which is called switch. Right. And sometimes women or, or men like to be switched. So, you know, the dominant will start, or let's just say, I mean, there's hunter prey dynamic and typically speaking, we'll put men in the hunter role, women in the submissive role. And, uh, and then a woman will do that for so long. And it's just like, okay, sweet pea, you've had your fun. I'm going to take over now. And so the switch can kind of throw a wrench into the dynamic because it's like, you know, I'll follow along for so long, but then I'm going to run the show for a little bit. And so working with that is also really fun. But as soon as people know where their dynamics are and how to mitigate if they're both in the same, it works really great. I think when I was doing some research, looking at this pattern, it was, it was fascinating because I would, you know, I would say this, I think the stats tend to support about 70% of women prefer to be the submissive bottom range. They like to be hunted and consensually taken. You know, men tend to fantasize about being in that alpha role, you know, that hunter dominant top dynamic, but surprisingly, 40% of men prefer to be a submissive top position. They are the pleasers, the service individuals. And that's a lot higher than I would originally thought would have been just given the fantasy of, you know, a strong, I'm going to take you and do what I want with you type thing. Like 40%, it's almost half of men run in that role. Yeah. It's um, I've seen that in person with a dominatrix with her partner. And it was interesting to watch. I tell you what, it was very interesting to watch. And it was like, as long as there's no ball busting, that's all I think. <laughs> No, there was no ball busting, um, but he was um, he was the doer and there was a third party involved and she had to get him kind of uh, not just physically ready, but mentally ready to then participate with the third party. And it was just like, huh, well, 
this is different. I've never seen this before, but good learning, good learning. So it is out there. And um, I think when typically people think about the, the dominant or the initiator, it is the man, but I just want them to know, but sometimes that it can also be the female. Yes. And I think that the numbers are probably around 10%. I think for women who prefer to be in the, that dominant top kind of lens, they're a lot more kind of masky, like your mask women. And so they're there. I, again, we tend to generalize a lot of things because that's just, I'll call it the norms, more norms, but that doesn't mean that everyone fits in those norms. No, absolutely not. So there's lots of, lots of things to learn about. I've got some really interesting questions for this, for this episode. You ready? I am. <clears throat> Here's the first one. I am a woman in a long-term relationship and I've never really known how to initiate sex. I've mostly let my boyfriend do the initiating because I don't know how, which has led me to be sexually frustrated and not having as much spicy time as I'd like. I'd also need to get over the fear of rejection as times I have tried to initiate. I feel bad for doing so when my boyfriend hasn't been in the mood. What should I do? My first question to this would be, have you guys talked about what you like to do or yes. don't like? And, and would like initiation again i'm playing with the words here the initiation is just that starting is it and so she making the assumption that she's just saying hey are you interested or is she having to pursue him if he's not in the mood and so again she could wearing a nice outfit that he finds appealing it can be something subtle it could be something blatant um, I don't like making assumptions and I want them to be able to talk about that so that at least they have that. This is foreplay already just talking about what you like. And then that shared communication, sometimes even be using a word. I, if you have a simple word, you could put a green light on the fridge or a little light on the fridge, which means ready to go. You know, yellow light mean, nah, maybe I could be convinced, you know, but not really sure. And red light is like, no, end of discussion, not, not happening today. And so this is just a way of communicating initiation or even foreplay dynamics using symbolism, wearing an outfit, wearing a piece of clothing, could be just a little button. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> it's like some things are very easy that couples don't necessarily think about. And here's something from a female perspective, which might be easier. Instead of like thinking of initiating, like we have... Um, we have a definite end goal. What if we kind of played with semantics and looked at the word inviting? Because inviting is almost more of a check-in versus I'm going to initiate something with the end goal of having sex. An invitation is, you know, I'm going to try and maybe start something, but it may not lead to sex. It may lead to sex, but at least it's more of a check-in versus uh, this is what we're doing. So I think if we if we take that softer approach, a lot of women will find that easier as opposed to we're doing this and oh, I really want to do this and then get that rejection piece. Yeah, because you're you're requiring sex here. Yeah, you're just doing an invite. It's kind of just checking. I mean, you can even use stuff like just I call it the, the, the foreplay dynamics of doesn't have to lead to anything. The touch creating intimacy by causing having touch facilitates that bonding, which increases the likelihood of arousal to occur, which increases the likelihood of sensuality or sexuality to occur. If you put requirements, I have guys that do really poorly with performance anxiety. You know, when someone initiates and they know that they have to perform because there's an expectation, 
things shut down or yeah. fire off too fast. And so just playing with this is, you know, are people willing to allow themselves to get into the mood? Because this can take some time. And if someone's not in the mood, is there something that will get him in the mood or potentially get him in the mood? So just because he's not in the mood or she's not in the mood, are they open to those possibilities to see if we can get them into the mood? Unless it's a definite no, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think we need to remember, you know, not one size fits all. So you, it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you're communicating about it. I mean, I know that years ago I asked my partner if I want to initiate what is going to be comfortable for you because this is what's comfortable for me, but I need to know what's going to work for you. So having those discussions on what either initiation or invitation look like, that's important communication to have. I'm just thinking, here's Brandy, put on the call or we're going upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it's a good thing my partner doesn't listen to this podcast because <laughs> see, here's the thing. Corey knows my partner and he knows that wouldn't rock. That would not work. <laughs> but a good thought. A very, very good thought. Oh my goodness. I, I think um, to add on to this, like the, the point of being like rejection. And I think to really help, and again, it's more common with women than, than men. Lots of times, just because someone is not in the mood has nothing to do with you. That's like, you know, I'm rejecting your food, but I'm full. I'm not hungry. I just, you know, it's not about you. It's about where I'm at. And are you able to accept where I'm at in this dynamic? The problem is women personalize it. Mm -hmm. Am I not sexy enough today? Am I looking too heavy today? Am I too thin today? Does he not like my makeup? Does he not like my haircut? It's, we personalize it all the time, which is something that's ridiculous in a way because the world does not revolve around us. And there, we're not even taking the other factors into consideration of why our partners may be saying not tonight. And and that opens up to potential for really like like abuse because if I'm someone who's like, oh, you're not going, like, no, you need to do. If you really want to turn me on, you got to do this, wear this, and do this, and and allow me to do this to you, and then I'll be in the mood. And then you get this like, okay, that's that could be pushed really far, and so you now move into potential for abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, when it comes to initiating or inviting for this question, I would just, you know, I, some of the biggest things that I think men like uh, is, you know, just the straightforwardness. I always tell my, my women, five words or less. You can tell a man what you need in five words or less. That's the best thing that you can do. Uh, so, be so, be, <laughs> so be honest. You know what? I would like to take you upstairs and get you naked and go down on you. I would like for you to tie me up and And some people don't even need to be asked. They can just say just, right. just go do it and I will let you know along the process. Some people are generally quite open to it all the time. I have clients where the, she's the ones that always available. He's just a fearful of initiating and she's like you don't have to ask. You don't have to have this big conversation for consent. I give you consent. It's 24 hours a day. I will just let you know if it's not kind of working for me through the process. But I'm good. And so it's just, again, understanding that consent. Some people always need a warm up. So it's kind of like, oh, we need to go out to the movie and then we need to go out and have a dinner. And then I need to have lots of touch and intimacy in this foreplay dynamic before I'm even going to consider sex. And I'll see it by the end of the night because I might have a stomach ache or I'm too full now and I'm, I'm tired. And so there's like, just, I want people to explore, you know, if that's kind of happening, what's really going on. 
because some people will also use that to their own advantage as well. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I, I would suggest. I might be that. in the mood if you buy me a bunch of diamonds. Wow, a bunch <laughs> of diamonds, not just one, but a bunch <laughs> of diamonds. Hey, why not go for it all? What the hell? Oh, my goodness sakes. So I think we've covered that one. Would you agree? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, great. Number two, 21 year old man here. I have no clue how to initiate sex. It's always been a puzzle for me. I get that making out is essentially the first step, but how do I get there? I also don't understand how it just happens. There has to be something other than an initial attraction. Any advice? There's so much to this. So I have a lot of clients who I would say partly they could be on the spectrum or have not, you know, they like structured dynamics. And so, and they tend to date people who are very feely or just like, it'll kind of happen if it happens when it happens, depending on how I feel. And they have no clue about the structure. If you're going to analyze it, what needs to happen in order to make metaphorically make your cake, right? It's just like, you know, just throw stuff together. My wife likes to say, oh, you just cook. You just put the stuff together and it happens. Like, yeah, no, not if you're following a wrong recipe. It's not, it's not going to, you're not going to have a cake if you don't put the right stuff in there in the right order, in the right quantity. It won't blow, you know, it won't go. So it's analyzing kind of sometimes scripts. So I'll teach um, mostly my guys some scripts or cues to understand kind of what are the main steps, which can be, you know, communicating, asking questions, you know, possibly seeing how touch may be re reciprocated or responsive. Are they open to touch or not? Um, and some people are quite the opposite. They just like, you want to fuck? And off they go. Like, it's just, they like it direct. They like a, a blatant smack to the face. And that's what turns them on when they start kind of the, the, the beating around the bush concepts. It's like, it's a turnoff to them. They want someone who's a lot more dominant and assertive and that's what fires them up. And it's just, again, looking at how this plays within consent. Right. Here's what I would suggest about women though. Women are way slower burn. <clears throat> so for that diesel truck, it takes some diesel. time. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of time to warm up and that's not untrue. We, I mean, as I have told many a client or even my own partner, damn, I would love to be in a male mind and see something I like and, be able to get turned on and ready to go. It just, but women's bodies typically don't work that way. We foreplay for us starts way, you know, in the, in the day, maybe it's a, a fun, sexy text that we've received, or maybe it's a sex message that you have received, or maybe it's just like, this is what I want to do to you tonight. And then it kind of carries on through the day until it even gets to the physical intimacy part. So we want to be turned on mentally as well as physically, as opposed to just, um, you know, hey, baby, let's go get it on. That doesn't usually work for us mentally or physically. We want to feel desired and wanted and not that men don't. But I think women have a much more um, need, a bigger need for that than men do. Yes, there are tactically many ways to get there. Each person has their own path. And that has to be discovered, usually through your talking and or proximity um, and kind of some people have strict boundaries. Some people are very expressive. Some people have no, no touch zones. They don't like the hair being touched. And again, this is an important process to understand. You have to talk to kind of find out what that path is. There are some general ones and there's lots of movies that will show you some of these processes that are kind of from, I'll call it a normative, you know, you start with your intimacy, you start your questioning, you start with the laughing, that laughing leads to potentially eye contact, eye contact leads to some cues you know, touching one's hair, 
uh, or, you know, facing each other, those little cues, smiles, you know, uh, someone willing to accept touch or proximity. You know, we have those kind of components as those kind of happen, you know, it may lead to a kiss and that kiss then kind of leads to more closeness and then someone takes a lead and then, you know, you're following just kind of your generic script, but that doesn't work for everyone. True. I do think though, if he's, um, if he's wanting, if he does have a partner, he does not say, um, but making out isn't usually the first step for initiation. It starts way before that. And so I would suggest getting to know your partner's love language. If you have a partner, you know, what are they craving? Are they, are they wanting you to tell them how great they look? Are they wanting that, that physical touch? Are they wanting to spend the time? Are they wanting, you know, a small gift? So love languages can really be uh, helpful and effective in relationship and also a good point to lead off point for getting to sex as well. And realize intimacy and passion are two different things. So initiating yes. sex is sex. It might have nothing to do with your intimacy act. You know, you might want to just have a closest bond and connecting this kind of experience, cuddling on the couch without the Netflix. And so therefore that lens is just understanding of what are we doing? Sex can have sex without intimacy. You can have sex with intimacy. You can have intimacy without sex. Know where you're going and what the other person might wanting. And it might change throughout that journey, that walk. Yeah. And communicate what it is you're looking for. This is what I want. I need this from you right now. Are you good with that? Great. Move it on forward. I'm going to put this there. Are you okay with that? <laughs> uh, third question. As a 30-year-old woman, foreplay is very important for me. Without foreplay, I don't get enough lubrication for sex, which sometimes leads to painful burning sex. At the same time, my man's erection doesn't stay long enough through foreplay. Because of this, he hurries for sex, which I am never happy with. Or foreplay now is hardly three to four minutes, but I expect at least half an hour of foreplay. What should my man and I do to improve this situation? I'm going to let you start off that one. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, do I, part of me wants to give a little bit of history. So uh, just briefly, <laughs> <laughs> if we go back in time, um, everything actually from even the medical model has been deciphered on um men so if women didn't respond the same when the same way that men do even in a sexual manner there was something wrong with women so it, it's true you know watch the movie uh hysteria you remember that have you yes. watched it uh no but it's also in um principles of pleasure by uh emily nagoski she did a, a book come as you are also a, a netflix three part series of uh, principles of pleasure and so you know, so much so where if, if women were horny, well, they're, you know, you had hysteria. Oh, my God. And they put you into the asylum for that. Or, or they'd send you to the site, the, the medical practitioner who would titillate your nether regions till a convulsion would occur, which would alleviate those symptoms. <laughs> you want to know why vibrators were? All the orgasm. That's right. That's the whole because movie about hysteria. The male physicians, um, not tired of doing it by their hand. Yes, they did. That's why vibrators were invented. There's a little history for you. The point I'm trying to make here is that women's bodies were vastly different than men's bodies. And that's okay. No. Women no. Yes, it is. 
<laughs> yes, it is. I am quite sure if women could have man brains, see something that we like, become naturally lubricated within three or four minutes, we'd all be on board for that. That'd be great. How fantastic. But we require things to get us to a point where our bodies are naturally lubricating, which can take up to 20 minutes, if not longer. If men can... Men need to understand that even if you are participating in foreplay and lose an erection, you can still get an erection back. That's okay. So I, I, would, I would question the gentleman, why do you think that having painful burning sex, if that's what your partner is receiving and she has told you this, why is that okay? And what could make it better for both of you to have much more passionate, fun, interactive as long as she is telling him that I have lots of clients where that gets disclosed in the first session after 10 years of marriage and wondering why things aren't working. Cause if you keep allowing that painful burning sex, you start conditioning your body to now avoid sex and start shutting yeah. down. Yeah. So this is where some of the possibility can be leading is if this is happening repeatedly, you get conditioned. And so now this is what's going to happen. Your body's going to shut down. It's not going to lubricate because it's not trusting it's bracing for impact. It could also lead to vaginismus where the female, mm -hmm. where the female's body just completely tightens up and there's no way, no how. Lockout. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so that's really something that's important as well. I think if men understood uh, more and not all men or, and maybe some women understood more that um, for female to naturally lubricate, we need to be in a space uh, where the accelerator is pushed and the contact is right. So, um, you, you know, like I've worked with clients before and it's just like, well, I kind of wanted to get a quickie in before we went to the, to the um, airport to catch our flight in like two hours. I'm like, okay, let's break that down in regards to context. First and foremost, you know what a woman is thinking? Do I have everything? Do I have my passports? Do I have the tickets? Is the flight going to be on time? Are we going to find parking? Um, how long is it going to take us to get there? Is our flight going to even go out today? Because with flights nowadays are terrible. That is not a mind play, like a place for your mind to be to have a quickie. That it just doesn't work. Men can get there a lot easier than women can, but there needs to be the context set. And so if you read the book, Come As You Are, or watch The Principle of Pleasure, it does go over those that three factor kind of trifecta of what women need and it's and it's the brakes need or the brakes need to be off the accelerator needs to be hit and the context needs to be right or if I'm that not, accelerator is really hot in that circumstance because if there's something that fires them up you know if they like to be dragged into a bathroom and then that distracts them from all those thoughts that could be a big enough accelerator to short circuit that system and actually get success but again, everyone's different and you have to know that before you start testing it. And it takes communication. So my suggestion to improve the situation is if you have not told your partner this, a, he needs to know, or, you know, we can use sex toys. We can use tools to kind of get know you your lube because lube. I don't know if she's using lube and if she's relying on her body to do that, this would facilitate that process. But I would definitely communicate that with the partner. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. She can always, you know, reciprocate to keep the erection going or get the erection back if it was lost. Fluff but him. It, what's that? <laughs> fluff him. <laughs> You're going to have to explain what fluffing is. Well, fl fluffing is in the porn industry. So yeah. normally, although there might be one female who's the center of attention where the guy's having the sex with, 
But if there's more than one guy or even one guy, um, one of the dynamics that commonly is seen with men is the novelty dynamic. And so being on a set with, you know, cameras staring at you and with the same person for the, you know, all day making a movie, uh, arousal commonly will go down. So a lot of people will take the medication or the injections, pepavirine to kind of make sure it's happening, or they'll have a fluffer on the side, or maybe even a couple or a few. And so the stuff you don't see behind the scenes to have it allow to allow a man to maintain erection. So fluffers are other women on the side, usually providing sexual services, blowjobs or hand jobs in the system to keep that erection going when it's not working with the party that they're with. So you can fluff them on the side while you're waiting for the, to keep them kind of going. I'm also curious about what her foreplay looks like for her half hour timeline. And I'm, I need that one broken down into details because it could be partly throughout the day, but she could also be, no, I expect you to go down on me for half an hour. And this is the foreplay before we look at penetration and this is what's going to happen. And so for him, you know, being down there for half an hour nonstop could get very boring if it's slowly starting that engine. So it's kind of now what are other options to help that arousal occur? But again, he's, he's not going to last <laughs> if he's no. kind of being in that, that dynamic. No. And that's okay. But again, you wait a little bit along, penises will come back a little harder as you get older, but we can also then look at other things to kind of support that, i.e. cock rings, medication. Um, if you're really, I have some individuals with uh, diabetes and so they need to use penis pumps before they use the cock ring. So you have to now get her up in that way and, and the, just, just facilitators to help that occur. I think a lot of this is going to take communication and talk about what they both want and what they both need and how can we make sex so much more fun and exciting versus painful and burning because that's not going to, that's, she'll just start shutting that down because as, I mean, as a female, you don't want to have painful burning sex. That's not fun. <laughs> no, no. Right? So it's going to take communication and what she's looking for and what he's looking for and how we can mitigate that and make it happen. Another concept that people don't really know about is the concept of frustration. People think, oh, you know, kind of get what you want and go run fast. In order for arousal to occur, desire to occur, there actually has to be frustration. And the more frustrated you get, not too much, of course, the more passion and desire tends to occur. If I, and it depends on what kind of food you like, what kind of food do you tend to like, Brandy? Thai. Thai food? Thai food. Oh, so, so if, if I now get you to smell the Thai food, show you the Thai food, the dishes are still over there, but they're not coming to your table. I expect you to get more passionate with you wanting them to bring that damn dish to you as fast as possible so you can savor it. If they keep dangling it in front of you and just outside of your reach and you're like, come on, what the hell is going on here? It, it facilitates me. you to want to now, you know, <laughs> chase that and ups. Uh, passion. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. there's an art to teasing and building that frustration to the to a healthy level to facilitate that drive, desire, passion dynamic. Well, and it, you know, sometimes a, a lot of I've worked with a lot of men who really like to hear and see the product of uh, the foreplay. So I mean. Women are making sounds, they're kind of squirmy, they are um, breathing differently, the, you know, 
kind of the want, the need is higher, which can then create arousal in men as well. And sometimes you can do round one. Like I was, I just saw a new little article about orgasm response and dopamine. And it's like guys run, I think, I, I don't know how true this is. So I'd be curious if someone sent some good updated research that I think the average, I know the average orgasm seems to be about uh, 200 to 250% um, increase in dopamine spike units. But the female orgasm runs, I think, 350 to 400, they were saying. It was like, what the heck? So women's orgasm response is actually a lot more pleasurable than your typical male response. And I'm inclined to support that. But I I mean, I'm curious about the actual dopamine response in, in gender and or sex differences. Well, I, I don't disagree with that because I think they last longer. That's for sure. If you take an average response of orgasm of man versus woman, I think women's last longer than men. And you, and you can you can go multiple. And so allow allowing her to have round one opens the door for round, you know, her round two, possibly even, but then you, you can go from there rather than relying on, on immediate gratification. So it's just, it's rechanging and retraining your penis as well as your, your engagement pattern. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, last question that we have for this session is my boyfriend won't invest the time to give me foreplay and get me ready for sex. He thinks that just dry humping me a few times is good enough. It's not. As a woman, <laughs> I need to be kissed, caressed, fingered, or and or given oral to be warmed up enough for sex. I've mentioned this to him numerous times, and he just acts like it's an annoyance, so I've stopped trying. I give him oral sex every time before penetrative sex, and he never reciprocates. In fact, after I give him oral for a while, he jumps right into sex without so much as touching me once down there. In this case, the sex often hurts because I'm not wet enough. He doesn't seem to think it's important enough or, or is just too impatient to give me the attention that I need and to get me excited before sex. What can I do to get the foreplay and attention I need? I'm starting to feel like my needs aren't really being met. What do you think about him? I got red flags all over the place. <laughs> now, he could be, I mean, he could be impulsive ADHD or some of those dynamics, not necessarily sure. an excuse. But I think in this case, the advantages, and I like to tell women this, is like she's in the position of power and is likely being too nice and giving into the circumstance because he's being quite self-focused and impatient. And my hunch is she probably has trained him to not have to do the work because she's willing to jump in there and kind of take over or get him aroused and please him while she's waiting. Well, and here's the thing, like if oil, if oral like kind of gets you hot and bothered, like a lot of women really like giving oil or oil. Oh my goodness. Oral, not oil. <laughs> um, that's great. But it, it doesn't seem that that's what's going on in this particular um, dynamic. And so he, I think if it's, he's been told and he doesn't seem to be tuning in very much. And so if she has enabled the behavior, this is going to be problematic if she puts up a boundary and says, okay, well, that's no, no more of this. You've got to get me hot and bothered or else I'm not participating. That may be quite difficult. But something needs to give. Otherwise, I think she's going to get to a point where she just reaches a threshold and is just like, mm, nope, no, thank you. I, I will be curious to see if she uses some of that power, you know, the social power and requires him to work on her prior to allowing him access. 
what he will do and or what that will look like over time. Because yes, you might get frustrated, uh, but I also don't want her body to start to learn to shut down because it's painful. Um, and then it, we get trained into vaginismus again. You know, Now lubrication is another option. Uh, but again, I see a lot more behavioral issues occur, occurring in here than um, other stuff. And she might need to up her level of assertion <laughs> um, to, to get these needs met. I would, if they were in my office, I'd also ask him, why is it an annoyance? What's annoying you about turning your significant other on? Sounds just very self-focused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, but, when you said the dry humping, I, I just have an image in my head of like <laughs> a little dog kind of walks up to your leg and like, oh, I'm going to hump it a few times. Okay, now like, okay, I'm ready. Uh, yeah, that's that's not how women 13 work. or 16 or. <laughs> Right. I, I don't know it, but it, it, I think, you know, as, as I've men, had two year olds do that, walk up and they're like, Oh, this feels good. I'm stopping by as a crawling. It's like, okay, no, no, not appropriate. So no, not appropriate. And I wonder, I wonder on age quite honestly, but here's if they, if this pair is quite young here, my suggestion would be if you want to continue with the current relationship you're in and have really great sex or for future relationships, something's going to have to give because some women will be able to stand up and say, uh, no. She sounds much more mature and likely needs someone a lot more mature kind of to match her. Possibly. Yes. But I mean, for teaching purposes, we also want to teach this male that this is not how it works for the majority of women. Now, if you find people, that woman, majority of people, <laughs> Fair, but if you find that one match where this is great for them, which I would suggest would be quite difficult, then how fabulous. Most women I know are not like this, or most people I know are not like this. And so he may have to be open to change or growth. Therapy is always a good option. Therapy is always a great option. So I would also suggest to her that if your needs aren't being met and you have vocalized that, Where's your threshold? And I would look at relationship alignment. Is there alignment within this on a sexual basis? And if there isn't, how are we going to communicate that to get more alignment? Or is the is your partner willing to align more with you um, to get what you both need? Ta-da! Takeaways. <laughs> Those of you who have female partners, whether you are a female or a male, doesn't really matter. I would highly suggest that we really participate if you want a full fabulous intimate sexual pleasurable experience or play super super important for women it is not something that you can typically just jump into i would look at and discuss what the accelerators are for the particular female that you are with or male and then see what gets them going and then what the context is what do they need around them or within the scenario to really move it forward. And I'd but, say in my clinical experience, about 20 to 30% of men run that way and need that kind of intimacy and or foreplay pattern. It's not the most majority, but it's still, there's still still a significant number. Of course. I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not getting yeah. down on men. I just think sometimes. Just, just understand, are, understand your population. Yeah. Yeah. Men are easier from a body biological perspective to get ready for sex than women are. 
And the other thing is realizing that women, interestingly, only about 20% of women know when they're turned on. Yeah. <laughs> and that only about 20% of women can have an orgasm through penetrative sex. So it's just realizing that even though they might be turned on, they might not be knowing they're turned on. And it still requires a lot more kind of, you know, understanding and or work to kind of get that happening. Communication is always a, a great factor. We as women um, need to realize that men cannot read our mind and we need to tell men or no. our female partners <laughs> what we like, where we like it, how hard, how fast, up, down, right, left, center, whatever that looks like. So then now they have an idea because everybody is different. So that And if you don't know, because a lot of my women actually, I have to work with them to figure out what they like because they don't know what they like and that requires exploration and you know and trying and different things like that or even running with their mind in the fantasy so they're not used to even thinking about it they're used to responding and so initiation can be as simple as a nonverbal cue where that little <laughs> i'm ready you know pin or put something on the fridge there's lots of ways you can playfully communicate initiation without being the lead yeah, I've got a ton of options in regards to initiation or invitation. Can you give me a like, few? Yeah, um, you know, directly asking. Uh, I would like to go down on you and then I'd like you to do this to me. Great, everyone knows what we're getting into. Having sex in the morning can be really great because that's typically when testosterone is highest. Most people are, so, I mean, who doesn't want to start their day with that? That would be great. Um, having those code words, you know, like purple. Purple. Let's go. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, starting with massage is always great because you've got your partner, you know, semi-naked at least. So we can go from there. Sleeping naked and cuddling, super easy access. So those are just some things. And so we can add the list at the end of the of the podcast so people can look them up. <laughs> I saw a little, I think it was a TikTok video or something like that. Cuddling on the couch. And so there's a girl, they're spooning, right? And they're covering a blanket. And then all of a sudden she looks back at him with this, like, he's like, oh, how'd that get in there? <laughs> it's like- Cuddling does wonders. Innocent look, right? So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, leading, following, understanding those patterns uh, and, and playing with that, communicating. And, and, and the initiation to me is, just letting people know. So that's to me the, e the easiest part to kind of learn is initiating and open it, keep the door open. Which takes communication. The, the art is the foreplay because that requires more of a unique dynamic for every individual person. And that requires that communication and trial and error and testing things. And careful on enabling someone to not have to do any work like the last case we have here because you can train someone to be really lazy. You can, or you can ask for what you want and say, this is what I want. So how are you going to give that to me? We're allowed, you know, I, I got to throw this in there just because I'm, just because I think it's so important. Women, you are allowed to engage in your own sexual power and say, this is what I want. It's okay. We're living in 2023 folks. And so if you want something in particular, you're allowed to ask for it. And they're allowed not to necessarily give it to you and work That's with right. you to get it. So this That's is about right. just good boundary dynamics. You can ask for the world. No one has to give it to you. No, but, you but, that, but at least it's a communication starter. <laughs> awesome. So thankful for everyone tuning in. Thank you so much.
And if you have any questions, clarifications, things you want us to present on, or even good jokes, send them to us. Thanks. Have a good so day. Much. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.